Father God, um, we uh, are humbled in your presence. We're also um, incredibly thankful for uh, the way we are brought into an intimate um, relationship with you as our Father. Thank you for the just the wonder of knowing you as our Father, uh, the miracle of being adopted as your children in Christ. Though we are unworthy, uh, in him you make us uh, perfect and righteous before you uh, as an act of your grace and mercy. Uh, we thank you. We thank you for the Bible that reveals uh, who you are, what you've like, and all that you've done for us in Christ. And we pray that today um, that you would just soften our hearts by your spirit, uh, really speak to us through your word, through the mouth uh, of Alex, your servant, um, uh, that we would really uh, know more uh, about you, who you are. Um, we pray this for your glory, uh, in Jesus' name. Amen. Psalm 23, a psalm of David, and John chapter 10, 14 to 16, and John 10, 27 to 30. The Lord is my shepherd, I lack nothing. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside quiet waters. He refreshes my soul. He guides me along the right paths for his name's sake. And even though I walk through the darkest valley, I will fear no evil. For you are with me, your rod and your staff, they comfort me. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil. My cup overflows. Surely your goodness and love will follow me all the days of my life, and I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. I am the good shepherd. I know my sheep, and my sheep know me. Just as the Father knows me, I know the Father, and I lay down my life for the sheep. I have other sheep that are not of this sheep pen. I must bring them also. They too will listen to my voice, and there shall be one flock and one shepherd. My sheep listen to my voice, I know them, and they follow me. I give them eternal life, and they shall never perish. No one will snatch them out of my hand. My Father, who has given them to me, is greater than all. No one can snatch them out of my Father's hand. I and the Father are one. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you for your word and the Holy Spirit. As we listen to your word, may the Holy Spirit help us to know you better, love you more and learn to please you in all we do. Through Jesus Christ our Lord. Amen. Well, last Sunday we began to think about the picture of God given to us in the Bible, or some of it, uh, the character of God, and we thought about our great and good Father, and this morning we'll continue to think about the character of God, namely God our Shepherd, and we'll use Psalm 23 for this purpose. Well, in Bible days, psalms were often sung to stringed instruments and uh, that could be in public or private worship. Apparently, the word psalm means twang or pluck. And there was a king of Israel, David was his name, and he composed or wrote this psalm and he drew on his experiences in his younger life as a shepherd. 
Later, God called him to be another sort of shepherd, to shepherd his people Israel. And that happened to Moses as well. In the New Testament, interestingly, elders or church leaders are referred to as uh, tending the flock of God that is in your charge. So they have a shepherd's role. The word pastor is from the Latin word for shepherd. And of course in the New Testament, Jesus himself is regarded as the chief shepherd, the good shepherd and the great shepherd. Well, I've summarised this psalm under six P's and we'll take them one at a time. And the first P is for profess. David professes his faith. The Lord is my shepherd. Now, by the Lord, he means God, the God who revealed himself to Israelites, to the Jews, but supremely in Jesus himself, his son. And so he's called the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. Lord in capital letters, or in Hebrew, Yahweh, the true God, the only true God. Now in professing God as his shepherd, David is also really saying that he's not his own shepherd, he he depends on the Lord. He is not self-sufficient. And every believer can say the same. We depend on the Lord. We do grow up to be independent, hopefully, but never from God. Now, because the Lord is his shepherd, David goes on to say, I shall not want... After Sunday school or kids' church lesson, a little girl was heard reciting the first verse of Psalm 23. Although she didn't quote it quite right, she had the right idea when she said, The Lord is my shepherd. I've got all I want. And the word want in this psalm really means need. In other words, with the Lord as my shepherd... I'll never really lack what I need. So that brings us on to the second P, provide. The Lord provides what I need. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside still waters. He restores my soul. Well, after walking for perhaps many kilometres to find green pastures, the sheep get tired and they need rest, particularly at midday when the sun's hot, and the shepherd knows they need rest. He makes me lie down in green pastures. They might have gone on wandering in the heat and got overtired, but the shepherd cares for them. This is a time you need to rest. There is a time for rest, isn't there? Jesus said on one occasion to his disciples, and probably on more than one occasion, come apart by yourselves for a while to a lonely place and rest a while. It's good that Duncan's resting at the moment, as Steve re referred to. There's a time for our physical rest, but also spiritual rest. Jesus said to people who are listening to him, 
come to me, all who labour and are heavy laden, and I'll give you rest. That's spiritual rest. Well, we, we find our spiritual rest in Jesus and his grace to us. But also we're told, they who wait upon the Lord shall renew their strength. Well, we need that in days where life can be very busy and hectic and rushed. Um, Steve, as I chatted with him before the service, said that his week was a busy week. Some unexpected things can happen in church life, pastoral leadership. Well, he makes me lie down in green pastures, and green pastures mean nourishment and food for a hungry sheep. And Jesus says, whoever comes to me shall not hunger. We feed on God's word and we're nourished during the week as we open our Bibles and on Sunday. He leads me beside still or quiet waters. Not rushing, tumbling ones, but quiet ones and still ones. The sheep can drink easily from those sort of waters. The Lord will lead us to places where we can have our spiritual thirst quenched. Jesus says, let anyone who is thirsty come to me and drink. In the last book of the Bible, the Revelation, we hear this. They will never again be hungry or thirsty. They will never be scorched by the heat of the sun. For the Lamb on the throne will be their shepherd. He will lead them to springs of life-giving water and God will wipe away every tear from their eyes. He restores my soul. Well, if you like, he renews my strength. He puts life back into me. Through the rest, the green pastures and the quiet waters, he renews my strength and my energy. And he can restore us in other ways as well. David wrote another psalm in which he prayed, Restore to me the joy of your salvation. Because he had lost that joy. He had sinned, but he confessed it. He asked for mercy and he got it. God loves to be merciful. Those who ask for mercy will receive it. And Peter in his first letter to Christians who were suffering says, And after you have suffered a little while, the God of all grace who has called you to his eternal glory in Christ will himself restore, establish and strengthen you. Third P, pilot. The Lord pilots or guides me. He leads me in paths of righteousness for his name's sake. Notice the word he leads. He goes before, he leads. So let's follow. That involves trusting him. He will lead us in right paths, right tracks. He doesn't lead us up the garden path, so to speak. 
The child stood gazing at a freshly opened box of chocolates. Her lips were pressed together. She was concentrating fully upon the decision at hand. The rule was only one, no more than one, but any one you want. Should it be the biggest one? Or would the small round one be the favourite peppermint cream? Then again, the long one might last longer. Oh, decisions, decisions. And we all have decisions and choices to make. And I'm not talking about choosing the chocolates, but those moral decisions that have implications for right or wrong or for our relationships with others. We need wisdom. We need someone who knows the right pathways, someone we can trust. He leads me in paths of righteousness. And he leads us by his word and spirit. And he can also lead us perhaps by circumstances and by the advice of uh, wise Christians for his name's sake. See, he's got a good name. He wants to maintain it and uphold it. His character is at stake, his reputation. Well, Jesus said, I am the truth. And of his Father's word, your word is truth. So we can trust that. Fourth P, protect. Even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I fear no evil, for you are with me, your rod and your staff, they comfort me. Well, that's really true comfort for any of us here this morning when we eventually reach the end of our earthly journey. But it is also applicable to other times in our lives that we could describe as shadowy times, maybe more frightening times, the times in which they're darker, as we might encounter these things in life's journey. He wrote Psalm 4 in which David could say, in peace I will both lie down and sleep, for you alone, O Lord, make me dwell in safety. I fear no evil. In other words, I have courage, but what gives me courage Two things he mentions, the shepherd's presence and the shepherd's protection. For you are with me. Your rod and staff comfort me. Well, Palestine was a land of hills and valleys and danger could lurk there in the form of wild animals or robbers. In Psalm 27, David also wrote, the Lord is my light and my salvation. Whom shall I fear? The Lord is the stronghold of my life. Of whom shall I be afraid? For he will hide me in his shelter in the day of trouble. But here in Psalm 23 he says, Your rod and your staff comfort me. Now the rod was like a club. It was used against a wild animal that might attack a sheep. The staff was a crook, it was a long stick with a curve at the end. Anglican bishops often have crooks 
symbolising their shepherding of God's people. Notice I said Anglican bishops sometimes have crooks, not are crooks. <laughs> now the shepherd could use his staff to hook around the legs of a straying sheep. Peter says, you were straying like sheep but have now returned to the shepherd and guardian of your souls. Isn't that a beautiful thing to get back, to be brought back close to the shepherd? When Jesus died on that cross, he clubbed Satan and freed us from his grip. That's one of the meanings of the cross. Fifth P, prepare. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil. My cup overflows. Well, that sort of conjures up the idea of a, a gracious host. This could be a picture of good Eastern hospitality. A good host would uh, protect his guests and provide the best meal he could, gel the person's hair to make it smooth, smell nice and soothe it, and not only pour a cup for the guests but keep pouring until it flowed over. Really, our God treats us like an honoured guest. The optimist says, the cup is half full. The pessimist says, the cup is half empty. The child of God says, my cup overflows. Well, someone has said that uh, the model for entertaining is often the slick women's magazines with their luring pictures of foods and rooms. But the model for hospitality is our Lord. You spread a table before me. You anoint my head with oil and my cup overflows. The Lord has welcomed us and has been very generous to us. Thinking about hospitality, I read something about Corrie Ten Boom, her family. Her family was torn apart by the Nazis with most of her immediate relatives perishing in concentration camps due to their harbouring of Jews in their home. But it was a sacrifice apparently they were willing to make for God had given them a heart for hospitality. And she wrote a book in my father's house. She writes about her family's penchant for taking in guests as she remembered it from her childhood. And this is what she said. Many lonely people found a place with us where there was music, humour, interesting conversations and always room for one more at the oval dinner table. Oh, it's true, the soup may have been a bit watery when too many unexpected guests came, but it didn't matter. Mother loved guests. Her lovely blue eyes would brighten and she would pat her dark hair into place when she knew that we would be entertaining, squeezing another visitor around the table, already bursting with four children, three aunts, herself and papa. 
With a flourish, she would place a little box on the table and spreading her arms wide, she would say to our visitor, you are welcome in our house. And because we are grateful for your coming, we will add a penny to the blessing box for our missionaries. Years afterward, on my trips around the world, when I have been dependent upon the hospitality of others, I believe that I have enjoyed the reward for the open doors and hearts of our home. Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life and I shall dwell in the house of the Lord forever. And that's the sixth P, promise. Or maybe even better, positive prospect. Now if you look over your shoulder, you'll see that two things have been following you in your life. The Hebrew word apparently is chase. So don't run away from them, you don't need to. Goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life. Goodness, the Lord's generosity, mercy, his loving kindness that will stick to us through thick and thin. And it will continue to do so all the days. That's what you'll receive from your good shepherd. In everything God works for good with those who love him who are called according to his purpose. And just as at the end of the day the sheep can be safely in the sheepfold with their shepherd, so and I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. Well, in David's day, the house of the Lord was the temple in Jerusalem. But Jesus fulfills that temple because he is the dwelling place of God. God tabernacled on earth in Jesus, his son. And when we are in Christ, we are at home with the Lord. And we can live with him for the rest of our days, all our life, and ultimately in his father's house that Jesus has gone to prepare a place for us. So let me summarise and take my hand, my thumb, the index finger. It's pointing up to God, one Lord, and one way to him, Jesus my tallest finger is, is today, now, my relationship with him, it's the most important thing. Personal ring finger, my, speaks of love. He loved me, gave himself for me. The good shepherd lays down his life for his sheep. And the little finger, the smallest finger, the shepherd was not high up, it was, he was a low down in the social ladder and our God came low down. Jesus died on that cross, you couldn't get any lower and then he was supremely exalted and that is the shepherd we're talking about now. 
That's the kind of shepherd he is. He suffered for us and now he shepherds us. Have you come to his cross and are you now under his crook? Well, we're saved and we're served by this good shepherd. So let's close by hearing some of our good shepherd's words in John chapter 10. And I have other sheep that are not of this fold, that is the Jewish fold. I must bring them also, and they will heed my voice, so there shall be one flock, one shepherd. And Jesus is still calling his sheep to himself today. And you and I can play a part in that. He says, my sheep hear my voice and I know them and they follow me and I give them eternal life and they shall never perish and no one shall snatch them out of my hand. My father who has given them to me is greater than all and no one is able to snatch them out of the father's hand. I and the father are one. There was a little story about a lad from East London who told a Christian man, Tom Rees, I'd like to be a Christian, but where I come from, you couldn't keep it up. If you knew my home and where I have to live, you'd know it's too tough to be a Christian. Tom Rees told him, put out your hands. Tom got hold of this lad's thin wrists, gripped and said, now you get away from me if you can. Well, he struggled, but he couldn't. He pulled, but he couldn't. Now Tom said, you hold my wrists. And those little hands got hold of Tom, who was well built and strong, and Tom easily broke the grip. Then Tom asked, why do you think the hold didn't break the first time, but did the second. The lad replied, well, that's easy. The first time, you were holding me. The second time, I was holding you. And Tom said, there is someone stronger than you who will hold on to you. His name is Jesus, and he says, no one shall snatch them out of my hand not only so but and no one is able to snatch them out of the father's hand i and the father are one one not one person but doing one thing together jesus holds on to his sheep and so does his father Jesus and his father work together. They are one team. Let us pray. Gracious God, you sent Jesus, the good shepherd, to gather us together. May we not wander from your flock, but follow wherever he leads us, listening, 
to his voice and staying near him until we are safely in your fold to live with you forever through Jesus Christ our Lord. Amen.